Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 24. With him tonight is Oh Shit Podcast, Ian. <laughs> I'm with you? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not positive, not positive. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, Mac is with us tonight. I am. And Eric. Merry Christmas. And uh, I guess I forgot, I'm your host, Brian. Uh, how's everybody doing? We have a good Christmas? Yeah. Still recovering from it. Still recovering. Pretty darn decent. Pretty darn good. Mine was good. Mac? I had a pretty decent Christmas. My dad came up with a cool idea. What was that? Uh, he decided that even though all the all the men are adults, he decided to get toys. I think that's an excellent idea. <laughs> so we, we all get a Barbie? Transformer on Christmas Day. Oh, I would have oh. got you a Barbie. <laughs> yeah, you'd have gotten the strange look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, very good. All right, well, let's uh, let's get on with our first story here. Our brains threaten democracy. The logic behind self-illusion. All right, give me a moment. I'm having some... No, that's not it. It's not one open to a browser. You know, this is excellent radio, by the way. I think it's probably <laughs> opened in your browser, Ian. You just are being... Don't think that it is. We are experiencing uh, the... technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, not as bad as last time, so... <laughs> The computer's working. There we go. That's a browser. About flipping time. Okay. Let's get... I need to be... We weren't kidding, folks. It really was. Oh, shit. Podcast. Like I said, recovering from Christmas weekend. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All three nights for Christmas-related stuff. Here I am thinking, hey, free night. It's like, oh, crap. It's rough when you're drunk every night, isn't it? <laughs> Ah, uh, that actually might help. Yeah, might I think help. Part of the problem is I stayed sober the whole time. Sucker. Well, <laughs> we're kind of we're coming up on New Year's Ian, so you can remedy that. Make it a resolution. Okay. Yes. Finally, we got the actual document up. Okay. Wow, stuff's been added today. By the way, in case anybody is curious, my New Year's resolution is ten twenty four by seven sixty eight. Okay. Is that your riddle and schedule? Is that what your riddle and schedule? No, that's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to reset the desktop to that. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> this article, How Our Brains Threaten Democracy, The Logic Behind Self-Delusion, um, the basic idea of the article says that um, people are stubborn. <laughs> um, you, you can provide them with just about any amount of facts, and it's next to impossible to get them to change their mind, even if they're proven 100% wrong. They will find justifications. They will do whatever they can to defend what they've already decided to believe in no matter what. That doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, this fits with what I've seen. I think it fits with what most people see. You know, even us here on the podcast will probably admit that we've had times where we've had evidence presented to us that goes against what we believe, and we will look for all sorts of defense to back up our own beliefs. You know, they did some interesting uh, studies here. They uh, they took people from uh, both sides of the political spectrum, liberals and Republicans, and then they, they showed them stuff. Liberals that, and conservatives. Liberals and conservatives. Sorry you about can't, that. You can't necessarily say liberals and Republicans because there are probably conservative conservative Democrats as much as there are liberal Republicans. Okay. Right. You're going to have to show evidence for that, but okay, we'll move on. <laughs> used to be the case, at least. Yeah, at one time. Uh, but anyway, so they— they would show them. They would show them stuff, and they would show them, you know, the actual truth of what 
you know what might have happened and instead of you know they, they would reject it and it would and it would even solidify even further what they had already thought even though even though what they thought was wrong that they would not accept the new evidence right so this is you know and I put in here um th- this reminded me of a book I've been hearing a lot from the author um Carol Travis and, and uh, Elliot Aronson wrote a book called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me and in this book, and I haven't read the book yet. I have. I bought the book. Uh, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, she talks about how you know people will go through hoops, you know, to justify the things that they believe, um, and and particularly after you've made a decision. So, like after somebody votes for a certain person, they'll go through this process where they rationalize it for themselves, and and so that they go through everything and, and make it so that you know that, you know they they have these reasons, whether they're right or not, that they that they did something. And she says this is also one of the reasons that serial killers and people that you know we think are, are, are like how, how do they live with themselves they rationalize things so that they so they can get through day to day and in some ways these are important coping mechanisms so that we don't so we're not constantly wondering whether we made the right choice because um, you know that can be a problem too if you spend your whole time deliberating whether the choice is right sometimes you have to make a choice and go with it it's just unfortunate that when we're showed evidence right. that the choice that we made might have been wrong that it's hard to integrate that back in we can't nut up and say, "Hey, yeah, I, 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 I screwed the pooch on." Right, yeah, no. and that's tough to do. Yeah, we're all hardwired to some extent to not admit we're wrong, and you know, you see it in everything. You know, especially kids. You really see it. a kid cannot admit that they made a mistake or that they did something wrong. You know, they hide it. They do whatever they can to you know not have to deal with the fact that they made a mistake. And you see it into adulthood, and you have people. Out you're moving too much. You know, my first of all, how many of our podcasts have we talked about confirmation bias? Oh yeah, over and over which again. Which is that we are going to believe what we are intending to believe in the first place. Right. Often against facts. But this also brought to mind something that my my wife talks about an awful, which is called matricing. Another uh, another uh, a form of and another term for pareidolia, which is where you have missing facts in a situation, so you make up the facts to go with what you think the situation came down to. Let's say you have a chunk of memory missing. You'll fill in the chunk of memory that's missing with what you think happened. Well, and that's so easy to do because memory is so malleable. You know, what the way that we remembered something is not likely to be the way that it actually happened. It's right. a lot of times the way that we want to remember something. And we tend to want to remember the way things go in our own favor and in a way that supports our own beliefs. Well, I mean, ultimately, we want to feel good about ourselves. And that's, you know, one of the one of the catches that we get caught in here. And like I say, it goes all throughout your whole life. You know, you see it in kids and, you know, they, they don't admit they've done wrong and made mistakes. They don't admit to breaking the window and stuff out with something else or um, it's his fault that it happened. And then it develops into adulthood where you see, you know, politicians um, screwing you over and they, they can justify it. You see uh, it within priests who say one thing and are doing the opposite and they justify it. Right. You know, it re- you see it on so many different levels. But it's active within a society everywhere. Not just priests, everybody. Yeah. Everybody does, you know, do as I say, not, not as I do. Right. You know, do what I say is good for you, even though I'm doing the opposite entirely. And, and it goes you know, just on a, up to yeah. the highest levels of 
our society to the highest level of those we choose to govern us. And they'll justify why they can get away with not following their own advice. You know, there's some, there is a reasoning they come up with and justify it. Whether or not it's a good reasoning doesn't matter. You know, they, they will back up whatever they want to in order to, all, you know, say, well, I, I can believe that, but not follow that belief because of this. And name that logical fallacy. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think it covers like the whole spectrum of logical f- fallacies with this. Uh, yeah, but what you were talking about just there was special eating. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, in our ne- in the next article I have in here, why do people believe in fantasies? This is kind of the same thing. But what's really funny about this page right now is that you know, he's talking about how people there are so many people who actually believe in ghosts and astrologers and psychics and all that. And then if you go down the page, there is an advertisement for a live psychic reading. Three minutes <laughs> right now. I did see that, yes. Isn't that uh, funny? Uh, it's like, so here's this here's this article talking about how why people believe, you know, this credulous stuff and here you know, here's an advertisement. I guarantee you that there are people who read this and still click on that because, you know, that's true. That one works. You know, the know bottom line is the bottom line is we are tool users, humans are tool users, and they're going to use tools for good reasons and bad reasons both. The most powerful tool that we are equipped with is our imagination, and it can help us and it can harm us in just the same way. Well, I see, I we disagree. We have to learn how to use it properly, you know, just like you need to learn to use any physical tool properly or else you're going to do harm with you know really science is the tool that 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 we've been given whether we whether we you know and it may be you know it it may be childish in in its infancy but it's the best we have science is a good tool but it can be used wrong too well sure but but that's the thing is that these things have to be checked yeah if you've got a makeshift person sewn together out of corpse parts and you're waiting for a bolt of lightning chances are you've been using science wrong (laughs) i have yes ian that was directed at you Darn it. And plus, plus, you know, you don't get lightning storms this time of the year. And really, that's kind of starting to stink up your basement. <laughs> I'm waiting for um, McFly to come through with the DeLorean and have the piece of paper that tells me when the lightning is going to strike. All right. So the next article uh, is unfortunately <laughs> along the same regards, I think. that This, this is interesting. Um, this article says that placebo works even without deception. And so these people were given pills that that they were told these are placebos. They're nothing but placebos. They even had placebo written on them. And they were given to them for irritable bowel syndrome. And and a majority, is it a majority? A a lot of patients felt better even, even with the placebo. Did you guys read this? Yeah, I did. What did I you, did. I, I, have some, I have some initial issues with it because it's like, okay, once again, this is, you know, you're, you're, it's a psychological play on somebody. Do they think that maybe they actually got the real thing, even though it was a, even though they were told it was a placebo? Maybe it was, I it's think the same that, thing. I think that when it all comes down to it, people believe that doctors, if a doctor is giving you something, it has to help. Well, and, I think that's an ingrained belief. Yeah. And so even if they're being told we're giving you a placebo, then what they're actually thinking at the time is, well, he's telling me a placebo, uh. but... Well, the last few times we've talked about how some levels of the faith healing and stuff have to do more with the communication and the contact than with anything measurable. Well, and once again, these come back to self-reported people felt better as opposed right. to measurable improvement. I think it's some, some of the same thing, a routine. That gives them a level of comfort. Yeah, so, and, you know, and so, I, I don't know, I, I, I took some issues like that with this study, 
it's like well, you know i mean it is it's like it's like a double negative you know mm. you know we're we're going to give you a placebo we're going to tell you a placebo we're we're telling you we're giving you absolutely nothing and so what are these people thinking you know they talk giving it to me you know and i and i bet that i'll bet that I, I would love to see interviews with these people and ask them did you really think it was a placebo or did you think that they were telling you a placebo but they were giving you the real thing and that and you know i mean i you just kind of got to wonder what these people actually thought and of course, once again, this is one study, and it is a very small study. Oh, and also the disease that they studied this on is a is irritable bowel syndrome, which really has no detectable organic cause. Right here we go again. So that, yes, it's, if it's got no detectable organic cause, it may be a situation where the brain is causing it. The brain is basically well, they're they're theorizing that it may be communication between the brain and the bowels, but the uh, the bottom line is this could be something caused by stress. So you're and saying if you that you think you're getting a treatment, then you may think you're not being as badly affected by irritable bowel syndrome. And what do you say a placebo is for is best for treating? Hypochondria. There you go. So I, I don't know. I I looked all over for for somebody to to that had looked for this. I I, I thought well maybe Mark Crystal ha, has has read this. Maybe Steve Novella has. I and and I looked all over. And as of this point, I haven't found you know another another doctor who has read this and gone through the literature. And you know that you know all, all I found is the basically the one article. And and you know and once again the the fund the people who funded the study are is is kind of interesting. Complementary and alternative medicine. The uh, the National Center for National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine. So I thought that was interesting. But it was done at Harvard. But that's good. But Harvard also just recently put out a totally bogus acupuncture study. So, you know, it's hard to say until this gets reviewed and has not been reviewed as, as of yet that I have seen. So they, they took the, the results and, you know, and they're putting them out there. But I, I haven't seen somebody respectable go through these things and say, yes, there, there's something. All I've seen is this article. You know, I, I find it interesting in the article that he's talking about benefit in the performance of ritual. Right, exactly. And we've talked before about how people feel better when they feel like their symptoms are being addressed, like they're personally feeling like they're being addressed. And so it goes and ends right back to that, you know, right back to that. And and so there's something there, you know, that makes people, it makes people feel better. And so, you know, there's benefit to that, clearly. It's a starting point. Exactly, yeah. Um, Back to your point about whether it was psychological or not, you know, he's... There was a comment made that perhaps as many as 50% of physicians already give placebos to their patients. Uh, and since that is ethically questionable, he was trying to find out another way of doing it. Well, it does seem like they were that they were trying to kind of weasel around so, some of the issues. Because I, I do think that if you're a physician and you're knowingly describing a placebo, that, that your ethics are in question. And so if they can find a way to weasel around this, well, it's still helpful, you know, then, then these people will feel better about prescribing the SIBO. I, I don't think I care what comes out of this study. I still think it's unethical. Here's how even they if, get around the ethics it's... problem. They get around the ethics problem by having the placebo administered by people only pretending to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were you going to say, uh... Eric? So even if the physician gives you a placebo and tells you it's a placebo, you think that's unethical? I do. I, I, I have issues with this. Yeah, I do kind of think this is unethical. I mean, for a study is one thing, but if I go to my doctor and they say, well, I'm going to prescribe you a placebo, I'm going to be livid. Well, you're going to be looking for another doctor. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I don't think that, you know, even if the, the you know, study shows that these things work, you know, to make people feel better, I don't, I don't like it. 
And I wonder why, you know, the physicians are prescribing the placebo in the first place. Do they have a person that keeps coming back with the same thing over and over again, and they think it's in their head, so they prescribe them a placebo just because they, they want to, you know, get them out of the office? I mean, there's some other questions that I would have to ask as to why these physicians are doing this in the first place. Does he give any numbers on how many how many doctors he thinks are giving placebos? Or is he just saying that he thinks there are uh, The article references that one study estimates 50%, but doesn't that's, indicate what study that's is. That's incredible. That's very high. It's very high, and it seems... I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm buying the. Uh, I'm not I sure if I'm buying the math on that one. But okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. That's I, the only reference. Yeah, I hope that's not true. I really do. All right, time to talk about some gender issues. Yeah. Ian, well, actually, it's quite interesting that I found these two so close to each other because they definitely seem to be related. Yet, you know, the the, the opposite sides of the coin. In the first one, and this one um, I had heard about for some time now, um, the story is Girls Who Love Star Wars Unite. Uh, little Kitty Goldman, she, she loves Star Wars, but kids at school were making fun of her saying Star Wars is a boy thing. Girls Isn't don't it? play with Star Wars. They're not allowed to. Stuff like that, apparently. Isn't it Katie Goldman? Katie Goldman, yeah. Okay. And um, oh. did I say Carrie? That's the mother. Carrie. Carrie's the mother, Carrie's right? the mother. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Okay. Um... So then, basically, there was actually a campaign started. I remember seeing it on Facebook, and I, I um, said I'd participate, where they had a day to support, and everyone who was her was supposed to wear a Star Wars t-shirt. Ian? And I... So anyways, um, they, they did a campaign on Facebook, um, saying anyone who supports Katie should wear a um, Star Wars t-shirt and paraphernalia that day. And I, I wore my t-shirt after I got off work. I couldn't wear it at work. Um, my wife didn't even know about it. She dressed both my boys up in their Star Wars t-shirts that day. But, um, you know, it, it was a basic thing of saying, hey, you know, anyone can be a fan of it. There's no gender issue to the other. And to actually say a little girl can't like Star Wars... That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing was just just silly. Of course, girls can like Star Wars. You know, right. these kind of gender issues are obnoxious. You know, the, right. people have these ideas that little girls should do this and little boys should do this. You know what? Little girls should carry lightsabers because they're cool. And little boys should be allowed to dress up in tutus and um, dresses and dance around if they want to. Absolutely. Which in is fact, the other story we have here. In fact, I bought your kids tutus. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I got no problem with you giving it to them, but I highly doubt either one will dress in them. Both of them have made it quite clear, boys, not girls. But, you know, that, that, that that's part of the thing. They're, you know, there is, you know, their friends and stuff do promote the gender issues. I, I think that you're a hypocrite. I don't think, <laughs> I think you've never bought your kid a tutu. I never have. I admit it. But, um, so the other story with, um, is about the book called My Princess Boy. And the story on this is this lady had a son. She went to his daycare, and when she came to pick him up, he was dressed in a dress, playing around. So she went and um, got some boys' dress-up clothes and provided those and came back, yet her son still was in the dresses. You know, where my wife worked and your wife works, this is commonplace. The boys put dresses yeah. on all the time. Right. In fact, we have a picture of my oldest in a dress at one of his... Cares. Maybe you're less of a hypocrite than I said. <laughs> um, but anyways, so the mother had to come to terms with this. Actually, if you, um, I think it was in People magazine. If you look, if you go to the page, they actually show they show they say the Today Show, and what they show is the article in People magazine that I first read, 
and got me looking up more on this. And that article talks about what she went through. You know, she had to come to terms with it. Her and her and her husband basically, okay, you know what? There's nothing wrong with it. And so she went and decided that she wanted to make a book to help other kids understand that there's nothing. And initially, the book was just given to his school, to his class. But other teachers in the school wanted copies of it. And so more copies got made. Then other schools said, hey, wait a moment. That's actually a good thing. We want copies of it. And so next thing you know, she's actually, you know, making money off the book, which was initially only made to, you know, help her son's class. Excellent. And so, and, and the book basically is a picture book of her son dressed up in dresses and tutus and furry outfits and such and talking about, you know, acceptance of it. I think that's pretty cool. Good yeah. for her. All right, so, no, and it's a, a very courageous thing to do, you know, instead so, of trying to push your kids into fitting in a mold, say, hey, listen, you're fine the way you are. Let's try and get society to understand. Is this the teach My Boy the, Princess? Teach the people is that what around this is? them to accept them for what they are. So right. is, is that the My um, my Princess Boy? Yes. Is that, okay, that's yes. the book. Okay. So let me, look at that. let me put this out to everybody here. Did anybody in our, uh, did anybody in our podcast group like anything that's quote unquote off gender? As a kid? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, now, My My Little Little Pony Pony was kind of cool, yeah. I remember mildly being in Care Bears. I I liked Care Bears, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Care Bears were kind of general neutral, though, weren't they? I mean, My Little Pony. Closer to it. I remember Strawberry Shortcake. I think they the girly side, but they were one of the closer ones being general neutral. I liked Strawberry Shortcake. I remember (laughs) watching those. They were kind of fun. I watched She-Ra. I never quite got into She-Ra. Well, anything, you know. I remember when I was, when the Star Wars figures came out back in the 70s, the first ones, they put out the 12-inch size, the size of the G.I. Joes. And I remember my parents went to great, great lengths to talk me out of buying the Princess Leia 12-inch. And I just thought it was, yeah, I just thought it was so weird at the time because, you know, she was a character in Star Wars. But they were worried that it was a, it was a girl's doll. Well, that's uh, often in um, boy toy lines, they don't do much in the way of girl figures because they don't think there's a big market for them. And yet, you know, there there are collectors out there who specifically collect female action figures and stuff. You know what? Especially because they're so rare. Having a Princess Leia action figure is, you know, that's definitely a boy thing. Especially one where she's, you know, with Jabba the the Hutt. Yeah, the Slave Leia. Yeah, the Slave Leia. Sweet. So anyways, the other article I have here connect all this is called um, Bold Crossings of the Gender Line. Yes. And it actually goes into more detail on where we are society-wise into looking at the gender line. You know, talking about various things that have come out within the last year or so where celebrities and stuff have openly, you know, crossed it without, you know, batting an eyelid. They're saying, hey, you know, we can do it. And it's ha- I think it's happening more and more. I really do. All right. You know, I personally have known... Um, um, drag queens and there was one guy I remember um, back at Walmart who I worked with who was a drag queen and he, I think he actually looked better <laughs> in drag than he did out of it I used to work at a place where I worked with several drag queens and they were a heck of a lot of fun in fact they used to I always wanted to go to drag queen bingo and that's something I think I'd still like to do it, it sounds like it'd be it's a heck of a lot of fun they, they separate the breeders from everybody else of course Okay, I love the fact that it's talking about in the uh, in the magazine here. They talked about their new male model, Joe Calderon, who was in actuality Lady Gaga. So Lady Gaga <laughs> went dressed male. Right. 
I think that's absolutely hilarious. It, but, it definitely goes back and forth both ways. Well, that might be why all the internet stuff got started. Does Lady Gaga have a penis? That was going around there for a long time. Uh, what? I, I think I remember hearing that. Yeah, that was that's probably it. Probably has something to do with this. She could be a man. Who knows? <laughs> who cares? About Lady Gaga? Not me. And yeah. I so like Brian, some of her music. Yeah, what's that? What's that, Eric? Did you ever buy uh, tutus for your girls? Um, no, I never. Oh, you know, we bought ballet stuff. But, you know, we, we bought girl stuff for them, but I also buy them Transformers and stuff like that. You know, it's easier. What's that? If you never bought them yourself. I say, why are you thinking about tutus if you never bought them yourself? Well, I didn't buy Ian a tutu, but I would. You know, it's it's there's less of a stigma for a girl to like boy stuff than there is for a boy to girl stuff. Brian, are we at the point of our relationship? Well, I think we are. I think I think, <laughs> I think we are. Although your daughter the other day told me that the only boy choice he wants is a Nerf gun. And that was because he wanted to be like um, the lady from the Resident Evil movies. Oh, yeah. She she wants to be like... Uh, um, oh, God, now I can remember the name. You mean who? toy for boys? I think she's a bit young for boy toys. No, no, no. Who, who's... who's <laughs> man. No, Resident Evil. Who is, who's the... Yeah, um, your daughter really likes her and character. the only toy made that she considers made for boys that she wants is a Nerf gun so she could be like her. You know, she's had Transformers. She's had all sorts of boy toys. Is in actual toys, not right. toys as in the other thing. <laughs> That's but funny the point that she I was told making that. is that there's less of a stigma for girls to like boy things, you know, to be a tomboy than yeah, there well, is for boys to like girl things. Oh, absolutely. There's a stigma. On it. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, as far and as that one really goes, sad. I got it It's easy. a sad double standard. It is a you sad know, double I see, standard. I still, to this day, feel a little weird if I walk down, like, the Barbie aisle in the store. I feel like, well, people are going to think that I'm looking, uh, that I'm strange walking down this aisle, even though I'm not looking anything except straight in front of me. Right. But also, if you look at our society, homosexual men are actually more frowned upon than homosexual women. We, yes. we have we have this need, all men need to be big, muscular, manly, manly men into football and all that stuff. While women can get away with a little more leeway. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, guys think women who like football are cool. But guys Whereas who like ballet? Guys who think guys think that men who like makeup are weird. I'll admit it's, I don't get the makeup thing. But yeah, I, you know, you see that a lot in the goth scene. Men wear. Yeah. By makeup. the way, I did. I found out something interesting about makeup that uh, makes me less likely to wear it. I found out that uh, older mascara is actually made out of bat guano. I think I remember hearing that. Is that you know, a showstopper or what? Bat guano yeah. was used for a lot of things, particularly you know fertilizer. In fact, down there in New Mexico, where those bat caves were, they had to finally um, you know say that this was not okay because they were destroying the caves to get the bat guano. I never heard about it necessarily being used for makeup, though. That is interesting. It had a lot of use. I, kn- I knew it was used for um, lanterns and such. Okay. Yep. My wife's got me started watching Billy the Exterminator, and he's great for these little facts. Ed, have you looked it up aside from Billy the Exterminator? Yes, okay. and it is actually, it is actually, it's really real. Very good. It's really real, old man. All right. All right, well, I have a quick update. Um, okay. Last, uh, well, it was the last week or week, a couple weeks, I talked about a, um, a some faith healers in uh, Pennsylvania that were uh, um, being tri- on trial. And uh, the jury deliberations finished uh, last Friday, and they were uh, found guilty on all counts, and they're awaiting sentencing. Now, the article says that they have been sentenced, but that is not the case. But they have been found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. 
Right. And, you know, Mac, you were saying that you, you felt sorry for those people. I do. I, I feel sorry for them because I think they were influenced an awful lot in what they did by the people that they were around at church. Okay. So I think that this, is, this wasn't necessarily... I, I feel bad for them on some level, but I also know that they also made their choice to believe what they chose to believe. You know, And when their own moral compass should have been telling them, you know, take your kid to the doctor, they didn't. Yeah, you had made a point, though, that you thought that, that, that part of this is because they weren't smart enough to know. And I they, took... seem, they seem under... They seem undersmart and undereducated. Okay, but yes. the, I, I agree that these articles make them seem that way, but I don't know that for sure. I don't know. I don't know what these people do for a living. I don't know how bright they are. I do know that they had eight kids, and that seven of them are still alive. And so the the silver lining, if you will, is that the other seven kids in this in you know this story will be better looked after from now on by the state. You hope? I, well, no. The state is the state in the article. It talks about the state is going to be looking in on on the other seven of them. So the so there well, is, they're talking about all kinds of things that they might potentially include in the sentence, and that is one of the things they may include. Right, but that's the, one of the things they intend to ask. But interestingly enough, after everything we talked about in the beginning of this, it makes me feel like they're going to dig their heels even more. That now, even though that they've been shown that they're wrong, that they're that they're going to be even more down the road of faith healing. That there's a potential here that they won't get the message. And so, and, which and, saddens me a little more. And yeah. that we just talked about earlier. That's what I'm <laughs> That's saying. That's how we started off this podcast. Right. So, so it concerns me. I hope that the state does keep an eye on these people because it concerns me that they're more likely to dig their heels in. Right. So, I, and you know, re- relating it back to what we started talking about in the podcast in the first place, I looked at their pictures in the first place. I looked at them and I thought these are not bright people. And now I've got that set in mind. Right. And I and I take exception to that because I don't know if they're bright or not. Based on these right. articles, the fact that they believe in faith healing does not speak well for them, in my opinion. Right. I mean, but they, that, they, but, that but is they weren't. Um, I even high school educated. They dropped out like ninth grade. But that doesn't mean they're stupid. Right. Okay. Well, it sounds like they decided to let the church take over their education from their own. Well, and that's a problem. So, yeah. So, but I, I'm, so I'm. Go ahead. I was going to say I'm. I'm big enough to accept the fact that I may have made a hasty judgment and I may have made a mistake. When in actuality, you're the one who made the mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I made a hasty judgment looking at them, judging them by the appearance of their pictures, and saying, "Okay, these guys are not." They're not bright. See, and I don't know. And and, and, and I, I, I would agree with you, based on the information given, that these people seem stupid, okay? Yeah. But I don't know that for sure. I, I, I They have seven kids. How can they not recognize when their kid is that sick, when they when they have that many kids? You know, it just—I I, I just don't know. I don't know, whether, I don't know whether they're smart or not. And in, in some ways, I— <sighs> Boy, I, I I do care, but on the other hand, they the the jury found them guilty on these charges, and I hope that the rest of their children will benefit from the loss of the one. Right. That's my ultimate hope here is that hopefully that that other kids will get the care well, necessary so that also so none that of them kind die. of spreads and some of the people that are so into faith healing look at this and say maybe we are making a mistake maybe we do need to lighten up a bit and be ready to accept reality and say hey you know there are 
levels where we can break our faith and do the right thing for our kids. Sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. I really right. don't. I don't foresee that because, you know, I agree. You, you see uh, it. You, you with, hope. You know, you're I, I talking about hope. what you hope comes out of this. Yeah. And that's one thing you, you do hope for is to wake some people up to get beyond that. They have seven other kids. I'm pretty sure it's seven that can mm-hmm. benefit from the fact that 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 this one child was lost. So, and it's, an, it's, I mean, it's tragic that they lost this child and that they lost it for such stupid reasons because this child could have been saved. That's, that's what, that's what, you know, I mean, they, I know that they had one person, one expert come in and say that they, that was killed rapidly by this one infection. But the other doctor said, no, listen, there, there were several other infections going here, you know, and had he been immunized in the first place, he would still be alive. So, I mean, this this is a tough one, but ultimately, I think that the right decision was made. You know, uh, I mean, right. I mean, they're they're getting, um, they were it was um, involuntary manslaughter, which I I would tend to agree. They didn't they didn't go out trying to kill their kid, but right. they did because they didn't get him proper treatment. So, I mean, ultimately, whether whether they're whether they were smart enough or not, the consequence kind of needs to be paid in this case. Yeah. Agreed. So. All right, so Ian, tell us about chemtrails. Okay, well, uh, I'm not even sure if I could read any of this article without bursting the laughter at how it is, but, um, I'll, I'll, okay, the, the article is called Chemtrails, the Problem and Solution. Now, I had heard a little while back, and I had hey, do hey, more Ian, research. Ian, Ian, are you getting comfortable again? Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> Ian, um, find your comfort zone. No, 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 don't find your uncomfort zone. That's when he sounds best. Get uncomfortable, Ian. Okay. So anyways, um, I'd heard of chemtrails a while back, and I thought the whole idea sounded absurd to begin with. I meant to look up some stuff. Well, then someone on Facebook posted a picture of the chemtrails from um, Christmas weekend. And I'm sitting here like, okay, that Christmas weekend when there's more planes in the sky because more people are traveling, and there's going to be, especially with how cold things were, yeah, ah, uh, <laughs> The, the whole concept's like, oh my God, they're dumping more chemicals on us for Christmas, really. So I, I decided to, you know, do some stuff. And the reason I picked this article, it, it's, you know, eight years old, but I just started reading the opening to it. And I'm saying, like, how can people take this lot seriously? Well, Has everyone read the opening? Yeah, this, mm-hmm. th- what's funny yes. about this is, is the affirmations. <sighs> That okay, so so they go through talking about how these chemtrails are a problem, but then they're they're the way that they're remedying this is with these affirmations. If there's a real problem here, and if our government is really poisoning us, I don't think these affirmations are going to help. Right. Well, I love the horse one. Um. The, the, okay. They they talk about how in um. The, we should know the city because there's a famous horse race that is held there. And suddenly, Kentucky. Kentucky. They're, they're talking about how in but Kentucky. We, uh... We can't say the name Kentucky on the podcast because Kentucky is copyright. Oh, that, so each that, time we say Kentucky, that they charge us. That's right. It's Kentucky. kitchen fresh chicken now. Or Kentucky. Well, anyways, it goes into talking about how um, in Kentucky, horses were having a problem giving birth. The kids were dying off. There was a lot of issues with that. And officials stated they believe it is a worm the horses are eating. We disagree. <laughs> we believe a natural existing virus has become mutated yeah. from residue of chemtrails. It's like th- these guys aren't even doing anything scientific to prove it. They're saying we believe. We've decided ahead of time that it's... Well, they, like you're, you're completely disregarding the fact, though, that they believe horses have a similar energy on land like dolphins in the sea. Yeah, I, I, 
<laughs> that they are an important species holding an energy to maintain the equilibrium and expand the energy of unconditional love on this planet. And I believe they're right. <laughs> really? That's why girls like horses. Is that what the mermaid told you? No, why girls well, like since horses. Physical, since physical solidity is an illusion, you know, I guess the chemicals aren't really danger in the first place. Apparently not. <laughs> I, I, I love all that stuff. You know, they start talking about how somehow everything's an illusion. All you need to do is get everyone to think in the same way, and you can change reality. Well, and they didn't have any evidence. They, they didn't present any evidence no. other than, well, that's not what we think's happening. That was their only evidence. That was, that was all we got out of the article. So I did a little digging, and I found this other website. And this one is specifically regarding uh, the New Mexico for Science and Reason. And it says, Chemtrails Fear Thrive on the Internet. And so I started, um, I read some of the articles here. And there's one um, from, uh, that was reported on the news on November 9th. And uh, they talked about how there was too much, um, oh, barium. 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 Yeah. And, uh, and when it came down to it, though, actually, the reporter got it wrong. There's a there, um, but they they went and they looked at the amount of barium and everything, and and they're like, well, you know, they they, they thought it was high, and so well, they, they reported went, so many parts per million when in fact it was right. so many parts per billion. Per billion, and so they went and they and they reported this. To you, I think with the FDA, and they're like, listen, you know, it, it's one thing that they they agreed, you know, at first thing they had agreed that yeah, it, it sounds a little high, but it's hard to tell what the causation, you know, and but later on we find out that they misread the report. And that, and and the reporter agreed that he misread the report. And you know, and the barium that they're talking about now, barium is actually kind of interesting. Barium is in everything. I would be shocked, knowing what, uh, knowing everything that barium is used for, that you wouldn't find barium <laughs> everywhere. So the the question is, what's the lethal dose? And it doesn't sound like the like they had a lethal dose. No, I mean, it's thirty times less than the EPA's toxic limit. Right. So it's so it's quite a bit less, and man, it's everywhere. And then they talk about these chemtrails. You know, for chemtrails to happen, it doesn't take much. just the right atmospheric conditions in a plane. Is about all it takes for contrails, right? Yeah. Well, right. well it's the same type of thing that make clouds. Yet these people believe that somehow they're going to dissipate in you know no time at all. Every time, it's like clouds don't dissipate like that. No. And you know, contrails of aircraft last for, in some cases, hours after the aircraft's already gone. Yeah, right. exactly. Depending on the, you know, weather conditions, heat, and, you know, and humidity. What and we're like what we're looking at here is we're looking at people who are willing to believe a, you know, really rather silly conspiracy theory, and but believe you... that a affirmation will protect them. Yeah. But this is also linked to the New World Order and the Illuminati and all that stuff as well if you look into it. Oh, is okay. it? That I, Guys, haven't, I haven't looked enough yet to, to, to find all those links yet. I just started. Let me, let me ask you honestly. If you were trying to disseminate poisonous or mind-killing chemicals, how would you do it? The would water. you do it to water suspicious water. aircraft? Or would you put it in the water supply that everybody's drinking? Put it in the water supply. Well, you put it in the bottled water because everyone thinks the bottled water is the perfectly clean stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the best place to hide your chemicals is in bottled water. Yeah, so if the government hey, wanted to hurt us, they'd have a lot better ways of doing it than... Yeah. That bottled drinks. water is made by artisans. It says so right on the gallon. <laughs> it says artisan water. Artesian. Does it say artesian? It says artesian. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know where they come from. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I don't trust well, Those are just they're... French artists. French? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> no, seriously, though. Yeah, they, you, don't, you, don't, you don't fly airplanes over and drop chemicals where people can see. You put it where nobody will look. Especially that high up. I mean, you, you launch chemicals from that altitude. It's going to dissipate. It's going to be very thin. 
going to hit your target um, area. Well, I mean, you, it, you spray it that far up, what you're going to get is a bunch of mind-controlled Canadian geese. <laughs> That's funny because that I, I I used to hear about this all the time that they were spreading chemicals for you know to, so the government can mind control us and how they they would spray the chemicals to keep us calm when certain things were happening and like that. <laughs> what like Christmas? Oh, we're maybe dead, the, all right. Maybe you the have chemicals. To here in Denver, we we riot when our um, sports teams lose or when they win. So keeping us calm isn't working very well. Well, they need to spread more chemicals. That's a problem. More planes. <laughs> maybe the uh, maybe the mind control chemicals during the Christmas season are actually so that we don't see Santa going through the sky. <laughs> are you seeing Santa's in the world order now? I'm saying I'm saying that he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows. Okay, that, he's working for the Illuminati. We got that. He so knows he that you've so been. So fast you can see him with a naked eye anyway. Exactly. Well, and wait, he knows if you've been bad or drugged. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got two lists. He's got the nice and the Illuminati list. Oh, okay. I hope I'm on the Illuminati DS. They get they get better. Presents. Of course we are. Okay. The, um, we say we're obviously a tool of the Illuminati. We work directly for them, and we're bending the facts in order to protect them. Oh. I'm not working for the Illuminati. If you work for the Illuminati, don't you have to wear a fez? <laughs> you know, I have Red Hat installed on many servers. I work for the Gnomes of Zerk. They pay better. <laughs> yeah, this is just you know, another one of those things that's thrown in there that there's nothing logical about it, nothing rational. Yet you know, you actually, you're connected so many things together that now I'm starting to believe the conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> I've not made the connections. It's that, you know. the red hat to the fez. That's that's intriguing, right there. <laughs> okay, that that one Bryant made. <laughs> but, I mean, we know that we know the Shriners are just lower level Masons, and the Masons are are a big part of the Illuminati. So you know, it actually makes sense. Hey, fezes are cool. <laughs> Oh, see, he's been compromised. Just ask Doctor Who. Just ask Doctor Who. Yeah, it's true. He did like this, didn't he? You got to wear a Phasma special. I haven't watched it yet. Thanks for ruining it. it. No spiders. I don't have cable. Oh. Well, he does get to wear a Fez at one point, though. Shh. Shut it. Or season finale of last season. So. Man, do we have anything twice. else? Are, are, are we actually done? Yeah, pretty much. We're just, we're just BSing at this point. Yeah. yeah th this wasn't one of our bigger episodes. It's, well, you know, yeah, the holidays that, and stuff, we don't have yeah. too much time to do yeah, the research. Yeah, that's true. We've been kind of, we kind of, kind of crimped for time. Do we want to throw anything in here about uh, Christmas holidays or anything like that while we're at it? I don't think. I'm not prepared for anything. No, we go a little short. You know, we've had long ones. No, Let's you know have one that runs a little short. Believe me, short is fine. Short is fine. Yeah. Well, that's because you're the one that has to prepare it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, then I, I guess we are out of here. And of course, you know, if people see stuff that uh, that they think that we should be covering, I mean, clearly we don't have time send to catch everything. Way. Yes, send us articles. We we love it when people send us stuff. Um, of course, there's good uh, ways to contact us, so start using them. That's right. As always, you know, you can uh, you can send us email. You can leave us voice messages. Oh, and uh, we're now taking psychic messages. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're difficult, but they're supposed to come through Sylvia Brown. So uh, make sure you direct those to Sylvia Brown. She'll get them to us, I'm sure. <laughs> Anything else, guys? She's not well, talking to us right now. No, no, probably not. But she's sending us psychic messages, I'm sure. You know, she she's decided to to uh, not do our Sydney Hall anymore. Oh no, no, I'm Montel Williams. I'm sorry. I was like, what? Yeah, no, yeah, he's been gone. He's been, he's been off the air for a long time. You know, I confused the two. All right. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. 
For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. To leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics, you can do that at 720-295-7785. Music with this podcast is provided by OFM. You can find out more about OFM at MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under Creative Commons, no derivative 3.5 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please just do not edit or change the content.